maybe we can start this um, this meeting with the with the issues page that's on the uh, on GitHub. And I wanted to go through a few a few of these uh, suggestions in there. In specific, maybe two of them. And Publius, maybe you can help answering some of some of these. Starting off with the with the soil issuance uh, improvement. Can you maybe quickly take us through what is what is this proposal and, and what will it do? So this proposal changes the weather in a given season during the first five minutes. Um, so currently, the way it's weather is structured in Beanstalk is that the weather is constant throughout the entire season, and that weather moves up and down three percent, up you know, up to three percent every season. You know, kind of this has proven to be, uh, you know, kind of inefficient in terms of how quickly it's capable of repricing the weather. Um, you know, specifically, you know. Uh, actually, maybe it's better we have Breen come up and speak about it because he's the one who proposed it. Um, can we get Breen on stage here? Yes, let's do that. GM. Hi, Breen. Hello. GM, sir, how are you? Doing good. Let me pull up the issue right now. Yeah, I'm going to, to drop it as well in the town hall chat. All right, sir, a lot of talk there. Take us through the, the logic behind it. Yeah, so like Poop says, you know, given a season, we can only increase and decrease the weather or temperature, sorry, by 2%. And, you know, we do this because we want to do, you know, short-term changes. I mean, not so long-term changes for the temperature so that, you know, we don't rapidly change, right? But, you know, there are times when soil supply exceeds the demand, or sorry, the opposite, the demand exceeds the supply, right? And we will accurately, we will accurately you know, take that into account. So basically what this does is we do a duct auction where the temperature of the soil that we sown you know, ramps up over time during the first 25 blocks or so which is around five minutes so if you sow in you know the same block as the sunrise then you'll get a very minimal amount of soil and then over time it ramps up to up to the right now it's the temperature but we'll change it to the max temperature uh, after 25 blocks right and now this gives us the ability to more better accurately measure the demand, right? So if people so, uh, sown earlier in the season, you know, that means people are willing to take less uh, of a return for, the, say, for uh, sowing, right? So we just use a logarithm fun logarithm function going from zero to the maximum temperature. All right, I, I dropped um, um, uh, maybe a summary of that and let me know if I'm reading this correctly. So. At, at time zero, the temperature starts at one, and then from zero to 25 blocks, which is approximately five minutes, uh, it will ramp up to uh, the, the temperature uh, uh, in a logarithmic function, and then it continues at the temperature after, after 25 blocks. Is that correct, uh, Brian? Yeah. Can you maybe tell us why a logarithmic function and not just like a linear function? Why is the ramp up logarithmic? Okay, so initially we're discussing, you know, whether we could do a linear function, you know, or any other, you know, function would be, you know, suitable for this. And the reason why we chose a logarithmic is because uh, 
we like to quickly ramp up towards a max temperature, and then we'll have a longer period of time in which you know you have you know, a greater uh, period of time in which you can sell between like toward the upper bound, right? So, for example, if you wanted to sell, let's say seventy-five percent of the max uh, weather or temperature, sorry, uh, in a linear implementation, you only have you know one block or so to do that, right? And because blocks are in 15 seconds or 12 second increments, you know, there's a big jump between, you know, each block. With a logarithmic function, you know, you have a bigger time window in which you can sell and still get, you know, within the range of what you really want. So does that kind of make sense? Makes sense to me. And then lastly, the last thing to note here um, is that right now, the way uh, that the model measures uh, if demand is increasing or not is that it looks at, at the first five minutes and it sees if the if soil uh, is sold out or not. This is going to change now, just given that the, the auction is going to happen in the first five minutes. So it's going to look at the, uh, the 10 minutes or from five to 10 minutes. Yes. All right. Thank you, Brian, uh, for summarizing this. And anyone, if you have questions about that, feel free to drop them. Awesome. All right, Publius, the second one I wanted to discuss is, which I think got posted a few hours ago, that's the combined token support. Can you maybe also summarize to us what is uh, the, the thinking behind this and, and why do we need uh, something like that? So the combined token support is being implemented, uh, you know, is being worked on by Root. Um, don't know if uh, Manifold wants to talk at all about it. Uh, Manifold, do you want to talk about kind of VIP24? Sure, yeah, happy to speak at a high level. And Mod, if you know, want to go into any more technical details, I'm also happy to have uh, a root dev on, on this call for next week. Um, but, you know, the combined token support, you know, effectively, you know, allows uh, us to, you know, begin, you know, thinking about the creation of a fungible deposited bean, um, which uh, for root is, is, is pretty important. Um, and the reason being, you know, one of our core thesis here is that um, by not having to forfeit the positive carry of the silo, uh, participants in liquidity uh, will still be attracted uh, to beanstalk denominated uh, order books um, and specific for you know the root betting exchange um, and so you know by having a, a fungible deposited uh, bean which which you know combined token support effectively allows you know rolling uh, deposits into the current season uh, this effectively allows us to uh, leverage the silos positive carry outside of the beanstalk protocol, um, which currently, uh, you know, we, you, you can't export beans or beans aren't composable uh, within DeFi when, um, you know, you also want to have the yield bearing function of beans. And Publius, I'm not sure if uh, Mod wants to go into any more of the technical details or if you want to save that for next week, um, probably best to let um, our lead dev uh, discuss that. I think I think this was clear, um, and, and just to make sure uh, uh, we understood this correctly. So more or less, what's happening here is that you're allowing someone else to be able to transfer the deposits instead of uh, the owner uh, or just the owner, correct? Yeah, exactly. That's my understanding. You know, it, the 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 it can be farmed by by anyone. All right. Thank, thank you, Manifold. While, while we have you here, can you maybe also just give us a top-line update on Root and what's, what's happening with Root? 
Totally. Um, so, you know, uh, first things first, uh, Root has uh, been in a fortunate position to uh, add several incredibly talented individuals to our team. Uh, you know, I see, I see Icarus here uh, in the audience um, who's one of those individuals, and we're incredibly excited to, to have him on board. Um, you know, it, 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 it shows you know, and I think Publius refers to it as the Beanstalk Brain Trust, but it continues to grow. And, um, you know, I think that that's really a, a you know, uh, a leading indicator of a lot of exciting, uh, you know, developments that are going to be happening in the ecosystem. Um, and specific to Root, you know, we uh, have, are at a place where the V1 design has been iterated multiple times. Um, and, and we're excited um, as we believe there's, there's numerous advantages on just the V1 on the betting exchange versus, you know, traditional, you know, Web2 apps where, you know, people can place bets or Vegas. Um, you know, there's uh, the design clearly has, you know, uh, increased capital efficiency. Um, you know, we believe it's going to have much cheaper spreads than Vegas um, and, and, you know, cheaper prices, in, in my opinion, is a big deal. Um, you know, there's increased liquidity on positions versus, you know, current current options for, for people to make bets on. Um, and, you know, all of these things, again, I think are bode really well. And then we're, we're quite excited um, you know, as we start to build this V1. Uh, I, from, from my vantage point personally, you know, obviously all of us, you know, believe in the thesis of Beanstalk. Um, and, and again, having, you know, a positive carry uh, order book, um, which, which enables, you know, liquidity to, to stay parked and make markets on top of the order book. But also, I think it's really important to, you know, as a standalone product to be able to, to have real edges versus current solutions, being denominated value or not. And, and I think Root's betting exchange is, and its order book is getting to, you know, a place where, you know, I personally uh, feel that, you know, it's going to be com really, really competitive um, and, and drive organic uh, demand to Beanstalk. So, uh, yeah, that's, that's kind of like the high-level overview right now. Thank you, Manifold. And we have a question from, from Chad, uh, and I believe that's regarding uh, the soil issuance improvement. And he asks, how would that impact uh, demand for calling the sunrise? Publius, any comments there? Um, you know, think they're completely unrelated in the fact that, you know, the Sunrise reward as of now is going to stay the same. You know, there's still going to be a base 100 beans that increases slowly to about 2000 over five minutes. However, you know, we have, you know, we have noticed some kind of inefficiencies in potentially paying, you know, too many beans when gas fees are low. Um, so, you know, kind of revamping the uh, incentive on the Sunrise function is something that, you know, is likely to come sometime in the future. Great. All right, let's take a round um, acro uh, across the contributors, and maybe I can start with some marketing updates. So we've had the community grant program now for close to a month, and there are five entrants uh, so far, uh, which, which uh, the rewards, let's say, or the awards will come out uh, in the next few days. Uh, there have been also uh, some talks with other contributors uh, who wanted to make use uh, of the of the community grant. Uh, one of them is ASFI. So ASFI uh, is looking to um, make some sort of a course uh, uh, for Beanstalk that will be called the Bean Scholars uh, uh, program. And um, the idea is for it to run for like 12 weeks. Uh, it'll be like an independent one. So Beanstalk Farms won't be like producing this. 
uh, so it would be like a separate, let's say, independent uh, Beanstalk uh, uh, course. And, and we look forward uh, to that. And there will be more information coming out, uh, hopefully, from ASFI soon. Otherwise, uh, the audio team, and that's Bella Beanstalk and Beanthoven, uh, they want to uh, give a try to, to a new uh, uh, podcast uh, uh, for Beanstalk. Uh, and the idea of that podcast is going to be some sort of a limited series. So it's going to be like uh, one season. Uh, we've approved a, a pilot program for that. So we'll also look, look forward to that. Otherwise, anyone else, we encourage you as well to make use of the community grant. So any ideas that you have, uh, anything of that sort, uh, come over then and let's, let's discuss it. Besides that, we've had uh, small things uh, to mention. And that's uh, the Clima Infinity uh, thing that... Uh, uh, that they, they announced, and then DeFi Lama as well fixed uh, um, the Beanstalk, let's say, uh, uh, numbers on. Uh, and I've also had a chat with uh, Chai Kitty, who was the, the winner of the poker tournament, or the last poker tournament that we have uh, we had. Uh, and hopefully we're looking to maybe uh, have another one sometime uh, next month. Okay, um, side of chat, maybe we can move to you and give us some UI updates. Certainly, yeah. Uh, thanks, Mott. So a lot of stuff going on this week. Um, we've shipped a couple small updates, uh, fixing some bugs and, and shipping some other styling updates that you'll see in the, the updates channel. Most notably right now, the thing that we're working on uh, in the short term is shipping the APYs. Uh, more or less, everything is ready to go here. And so expect to see that on the site. Uh, if not later today, then in the the next couple of days. And if you're if you're curious about how those APYs are going to get calculated, it's similar to how we calculated them previously, uh, but this time using a different form of of averaging. So I'm going to drop a link to the uh, documentation about this, um, which will go uh, go public along with that that launch in the next couple of days. So stay tuned on that front. Um, beyond that, so. Uh, a couple other important things. We've actually had another engineer join the the front end team, uh, Bean Sama. We'll have Bean Sama come join us up here next week to talk a bit about what they're working as well. But uh, they're going to hop in and help help us tackle basically all of the the front end stuff that's coming up over the next couple months, of which there there's a lot right now on the front end side. So besides some of these smaller tweaks that we've described, really focused on the Dex and Pod Marketplace V2. Uh, both of which are pretty pretty unique uh, design and, and engineering problems in their own right. So on the DEX front, there's uh, a couple things going on in parallel. Uh, Red Beans uh, is working on uh, a lot of new designs and sort of tweaks to that, which you can speak uh, more to. Uh, on the engineering front, so we'll be making some updates to the silo page uh, for each asset to reflect that some assets are now going to also be uh, you know, some whitelisted assets will be basically Beanstalk Wells. So we'll, we'll keep, uh, keep you posted on that. And then also working on uh, updating the market to take into account the fact that now we're going to have more than just the pod market. It will also be, you know, uh, ERC20 token market, if you will, which is uh, Beanstalk Wells as well as other markets. So uh, a lot of work going on on that front. And yeah, beyond that, just continuing to, to grow the team. Forward thinking uh, on my mind in particular are things like the SDK, which uh, we plan to, to get started on in the, the coming weeks to, to, to months about basically focused on building good tooling around Beanstalk. Uh, 
Um, we've been, you know, obviously with with Root and, and a lot of other projects are starting to start building on Beanstalk. We want to try to open up some of the tooling that we've used on the UI to other developers to to help them, you know, use Beans in, in their applications. So a lot of work to be done there, but something to, to kind of look forward to. Thank you, Chen. Um with regards to the to the market and uh, the AMM, do you have an idea on how will that be on the UI? Will everything fall under the same tab? Will it have like a separate front end? What are, what are the thoughts there? Yeah, great question. So for right now, the plan is to have everything accessible through the Beanstalk UI. Um, there's kind of a couple fronts in which you'll be interacting with, with the Beanstalk decks. So the first is that when uh, a well is created in the in the beanstalk uh, in the beanstalk decks, and the corresponding token is whitelisted, which is what we'll expect for you know bean eth and other pools that will be launching on the decks early on, uh, you would deposit to that pool using more or less the exact same interface that you use right now to deposit to the bean uh, three curve pool. So that part will stay more or less the same. The, the new piece of UI that you'll find is under the market, there will now be a section that focuses exclusively on uh, Beanstalk wells. And so you'll be able to view all of the available wells, see metrics about those wells, um, at very, you know, similar in some ways to maybe what you'd see on like the, the Uniswap or, or Curve Analytics websites, but that'll be built straight into the UI. Uh, so yeah, one, basically one-stop shop. Understood. Um, and Pizza Man had a question on the API uh, calculations, and he found the answer in the API document. So if anyone has you know questions on on how is is the variable API calculated, you, you can find uh, find the de find the detailed in the in the link that uh, Chad shared. All right, sweet red beans. Yeah, uh, I'll be quick because Chad kind of touched on on some of my points, but uh, my time this week has mostly been going into the decks. Uh, you know, kind of getting close to being done with the first run through, but uh, kind of collecting feedback from from some of the core team now, and we'll we'll kind of be uh, iterating on that feedback to to kind of improve it and get it ready. So, uh, yeah, not a super long update from me this week, but have, have spent a bunch of time on the decks. Thank you, uh, Sweet Red, uh, Austin. Uh, to, on your end, and I guess one of the things that now we'll want to do is have you write some you know good good documentation on changing the word Dex to an AMM. Yeah, definitely. Um, let's see. Uh, on the operations front, I've been spending some time nudging the bug bounty program forward. Been going back uh, with the Immunify team uh, quite a bit. Uh, there's some intricacies to figure out, uh, particularly given that in practice, we can only pay out bug bounties in beans, whether the price of bean is $1.10 or $0.50. Cents. So. Working out some of the details there, the, the current thinking is to have uh, a future BIP that essentially allows the BCM to mint beans on a case-by-case -case basis to pay out these bug bounties, rather than doing uh, some sort of upfront uh, you know, bean mint. Obviously, that would have to be amended with a future transition back to uh, on-chain governance when the time comes. But uh, I think, think that might make sense. That structure might make sense uh, you know, in, in the near term. And uh, otherwise, just been spending some time uh, streamlining and documenting a bunch of internal Beanstalk Farms processes, such that they can mostly be on autopilot, whether that's you know processing reimbursements from contributors paying for software, 
publishing those monthly operations reports and uh, you know a long a long tail of other things. Thank you, Austin. Uh, and, and just to summarize that, the idea is for the BIP to um, give authority to the BCM to be able to mint uh, basically the the bounty for any bugs. That's correct. Correct. Yeah, up to some total. Where after that total, you know, perhaps the, uh, another BIP would be required at some point in the future. Um, maybe to just give like kind of a, a TLDR on the on the structure. There's there's a handful of different tiers for all of the uh, I guess severity of each bug report. Uh, call it like medium, high, and critical. And the thinking is that for for critical bugs, you know, that result in uh, loss of user funds, things like that. The max bounty would be something like 1.1 million beans. Uh, of course, you know the idea is that uh, even if that bounty hunter uh, does end up selling, you know, Beanstalk is is much better off having that uh, reported and fixed than than found by by a black hat hacker of sorts. So, you know, if the max bounty is 1.1 million, perhaps it makes sense to uh, propose for the you know BCM to be able to mint. Uh, mint beans up to, you know, I don't know, a couple million. We'll have to do some more, more thinking on that front, and happy to answer any any questions and and open to feedback on that front. Understood. Chad is giving an update on Tbeck. Tbeck, you're you're in the audience. If you want to come up and share it, feel free to do so. Otherwise, I can read the update. Uh, and that's Tbeck is working on a new data playground, which will replace the old Dune dashboard and we do not have a date for that all right Publius any closing comments um yeah I have a couple things to mention here um you know first off uh you know kind of on ebip one uh you know that is under audit by Halborn right now you know we are not rushing to get the chop function back online the goal is to make sure that it's you know, as, as secure and, you know, correctly implemented as possible before adding it back. Um, you know, secondly, uh, you know, Sync brought to our attention something very specific about, you know, kind of how the merge changes, um, you know, kind of Ethereum at the protocol layer, um, you know, which, which can have a large effect on on-chain oracles. Um, and, and, you know, kind of in summary, the changes, you know, with the merge, um, you know, kind of upcoming, you know, block proposals, proposers are now predetermined in some sense. Um, whereas before, you know, kind of whatever miner happened to, you know, mine the correct, um, you know, hash first is the one that got to propose the block. Um, you know, kind of post-merge, we now have a cycling group of validators um, such that you can kind of see which validators are going to be able to propose future blocks. Now, this creates the potential, potential problem where if a single node operator running multiple validators ends up having two validators proposing a block back-to-back, -back, then they essentially have control over what transactions go or, you know, end up going and don't end up going in that block. And what this can lead to is multi-block MEV, and um, you know uh, this you know this can have great consequences on on-chain oracles, namely TWAP oracles and this EMA oracle we have been working on. Um, and you know, kind of there's uh, you know instant implica implications in regards to you know how minting happens within Beanstalk, um, you know, and you know so essentially it. it 
you know, what this, uh, you know, kind of uh, the, the merge does is allow someone to effectively uh, manipulate the TWAP Oracle on the Bean 3 curve pool uh, to mint however many beans they want. Um, now, we, you know, have had our heads down kind of thinking about potential solutions that we can implement that require minimal changes to the code to prevent, you know, such an attack. And I guess to talk about the magnitude of such an attack, you know, someone executing this attack would, you know, not get the beans that are minted. The beans would still be distributed, uh, you know, 33%, 33%, 33%. Um, but someone could still manipulate the TWAP Oracle to mint, uh, you know, a large amount of beans by essentially, you know, buying the price up, you know, incredibly high and, you know, letting that sit for one block. Um, and, you know, even though there are, there are about 300 blocks in an hour, if you push the price up to, you know, $1,000 for one block, in you know that's still quite significant uh when you even averaged over 300 blocks um so you know kind of the solution that we are you know kind of come to uh that we you know will we'll likely look to and see if it makes sense to implement in an ebip is adding some sort of supply uh mint cap um now this mint cap would likely be something like 0.1 to 1 percent of total supply um, you know, pending some calculations on the potential cost and fees to, uh, you know, uh, you know, conduct this TWAP Oracle manipulation. Um, but kind of why we feel like a, you know, mint cap is a good way to, uh, you know, prevent this problem is that, you know, number one, it, you know, minimizes drastically the potential impact of such a TWAP manipulation. And two, it's incredibly easy to implement from a code perspective. We feel confident that, you know, we'd be able to basically implement the solution and get it audited and implement it through an emergency BIP if the community feels like that is the correct path to go down by the time the merge occurs, um, which, you know, even though this, this attack is not one such that an actor can financially benefit from, and it requires, uh, you know, and it relies on kind of randomness to allow someone to have multiple validators positioned, uh, you know, sequentially in the proposition order, um, you know, we still feel like it makes sense to kind of combat this problem now. Um, what this means for, you know, future oracles, you know, we've been putting our heads together and come up with a few ways that we can actually kind of present, you know, prevent this sort of attack on TWAP oracles and EMA or any kind of on-chain oracle by kind of, you know, putting some limit on the amount that a balance is able to change uh, each block. Um, and, you know, we don't quite have the details written down and, we're, we're, you know, are happy to share once we do. Um, but, you know, feel confident that we are still going to be able to move forward with using on-chain oracles and liquidity wells. Um, but it's likely just going to require a bit more development work and, uh, you know, thought to really make sure that we combat against this attack. Um, you know, going forward in regards to the Bean 3 curve pool, um, we should look to move off the pool as quickly as possible as the, you know, potential attack on the TWAP is, you know, going to be present for, you know, as long as we use the pool, given that we cannot upgrade the Bean 3 curve pool at the, uh, you know, at the pool layer um, to change the TWAP mechanism to make it resistant to such attacks. And thus, you know, once the liquidity wells are released, um, you know, we should collectively try to move the Bean 3 curve LP over to a liquidity well with, uh, you know, oracles resistant to this type of attack as soon as possible.
Um, you know, curious if anyone has any thoughts, questions, concerns on this, uh, you know, but that's it on our end. Uh, Publius, I don't know if you have anything you want to add to this. Well, first off, shout out to Sink for, as always, having his head in the sand, uh, in, in, the, in the sense of uh, Beanstalk is dirt oriented. So always uh, in the weeds and knowing exactly uh, where, to, where his, his attention should be. This is quite the find. Uh, and another reminder that this is remains uncharted territory and there's lots of uh, sharks in the water that we constantly collectively need to be looking out for. Uh, in terms of short-term risk, it's pr it's Beanstalk isn't of the size where it would likely make sense for this to be an attack in the early days post-merge. But nonetheless, the attack, the potential for the attack exists, and therefore it probably does make sense to do this as an emergency BIP uh, via the BCM as opposed to a a, a formal normal BIP. Uh, but that's something that we'll probably ask Halborn about for their opinion as to the the associated risk here as well before a final decision on that front. And uh, it, the goal is always to have the DAO be the the body that is implementing changes to any rules within the Beanstalk contract. But in this case, there does seem to be some potential risk to the integrity of the model, and therefore. Uh, perhaps it, it does make sense to implement it as an emergency BIP. Uh, otherwise, uh, as Publius was saying, the implementation of the wells, uh, from our perspective, was bound to happen anyways, given the nature of uh, constructing a Beanstalk-specific uh, oracle. That, that's something that we've been talking about for a while uh, in order to get the Delta B calculations right. But this is just, uh, as Publis was saying, another layer of complexity. So uh, probably pushes the timeline back for the Bean ETH well, which will hopefully be the first well uh, a little bit further back. But uh, generally, the goal is to get things right and not to, to rush them. So from our perspective, this is progress in the right direction and feel pretty good about the the future of on-chain oracles, which many people are just switching to Chainlink, uh, we are gonna we're, we're gonna fight the good fight to to avoid that as as much as humanly possible. Thank you, Publius. There was another question <clears throat> uh, on the governance uh, channel where someone suggested if there are any thoughts on or if there are any considerations uh, for do you know for the BCM to pause being stuck ahead of the merge just to, you know, be careful, let's say. That that would seem to be an abuse of power uh, as there doesn't see, assuming that the Oracle is fixed, there don't seem to be any known risks, but perhaps it's better to be prudent. Uh, generally, don't think that's the right, that's in line with the ethos of Beanstalk, which is not necessarily... Uh, you know, the most risk averse when it comes to things like this. It's very much a, a, a risky, risky endeavor, uh, as we were talking about earlier with regards to the discovery of this Oracle issue. So not sure the benefits of, a, of pausing the protocol other than there, there will be a delay in the discovery of how Beanstalk functions post-merge. So 
the hope is that the protocol is will is and will be secure post merge, and that's therefore there's probably no reason to pause it. And, and I guess we just add in here that you know if for some reason the community feels differently about this. Um, you know, uh, you know, a, a community-led discussion. You know, we welcome that. And ultimately, if someone did want to go forward with proposing some sort of snapshot vote uh, as like a, uh, you know, uh, a measure of, you know, kind of how the community feels about potentially pausing. You know, I know numerous other protocols such as Ave are pausing around the merge. Um, and, you know, recommend everyone individually does, you know, kind of do their own research to see what the potential uh, you know, issues could be and how those would affect Beanstalk, but generally share the same opinion with Publius um, that, you know, it's it's something that is, you know, kind of an, an extra, you know, an extra safety precaution. And it's hard to see how necessarily Beanstalk, uh, you know, would would have some sort of issue in the process. Okay. Um, Warren Porridge, I see your hand is raised, so I can bring you up to stage. If you have a question. I've invited you. Okay, I'll give you a few more seconds. Otherwise, you can always drop your question in town hall chat as well. Jams asks, will there be a failsafe to the on-chain Oracle as things are getting developed in the initial stages? So maybe use Chainlink as a backup validator? So, you know, kind of the, the, the thing here is, you know, kind of what Beanstalk seeks to, you know, kind of determine over season is the average beans above peg. Um, you know, kind of from, from research we've conducted into Chainlink, it seems that, you know, Chainlink really is only able to in their base default Oracle provide a bean USD price. Now, you know, that gets us part of the way, but Delta B is not just a function of price. It is a function of liquidity. So it's really hard to see how without some kind of, you know, long custom, you know, kind of, uh, you know, solution to creating uh, you know, some new custom Chainlink Oracle, which again, it doesn't seem like they're in the business of building. It seems very hard to see, you know, to kind of come up with a way for how we can, you know, move this Delta B Oracle off chain without kind of, uh, you know, kind of totally changing the formula altogether. Um, for that reason, you know, we feel confident sticking with on-chain Oracles. Um, you know, but again, like if, if this is something the community is interested in and someone wants to start working with some off-chain Oracle provider, it is something we can look into. Um, you know, uh, you know, other fail safes, you know, that, that can be used, can be ones that kind of, you know, compare the, the relative change in values. Um, you know, was looking into Liquidity's Oracle and saw that basically, you know, they query Chainlink. And, you know, if the Chainlink Oracle changes by a significant percentage, um, you know, based on the last value it read, then they look to Teller and they compare that the two values are about the same. If they're not about the same, you know, they fall back 
and compare the Teller Oracle to kind of the last price. Um, so, you know, overall, I think, you know, a, a lot of thought can go into determining what oracles we should use and how we should implement on-chain fail-safes. Um, but don't think we necessarily need to rely on off-chain oracles to kind of have these fail-safes. Instead, we can build these fail-safes into the liquidity wells that we're already building and thus, you know, still have, you know, a, a resilient on-chain, you know, Ethereum-native oracle um, that has built-in fail-safes. Um, and think, you know, everyone in the community should, you know, spend some time really thinking about, uh, you know, what, what they feel like could potentially go wrong with an Oracle and how they would build in, you know, kind of on-chain fail-safes. Thank you for that answer, uh, Publius. Okay, I think we are at the end of the meeting and there are no more questions. So thank you everyone for joining. And if you have any other questions, feel free to drop them, you know, uh, anytime, reach out to anyone, drop them on the questions channel. Otherwise, we'll see you next week.